Today's reading is taken from Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse 29. The man wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Thank you so much, Gillian, for that reading, and good morning again. Welcome, especially welcome you if you are joining us for the first time. It's lovely to have you here this morning. Please feel free just to join us for some fellowship and refreshments after the service. And so this morning we're starting the first of a number of mini-talk series called Like Jesus, which we're going to be having over the next few months. And the theme for this week and next week is Love Like Jesus. How do we love like Jesus? What does it look like to love like Jesus? And this story, the Good Samaritans, probably one of the most well-known stories in the New Testament. Many of us would have heard it many times before. People who have never even read the Bible will know about the Good Samaritan, or they'll know what they think a Good Samaritan is. And it's a story about a lawyer who tries to test Jesus. And he asks Jesus two questions. And Jesus, as ever, uses this as an opportunity to tell us something of the Father's heart and a Father's sort of vision for us and for our lives. Before we continue, shall we pray? Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And we just as we pause for a few moments, we pray that you'd speak to each one of us here by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the wonderful things about doing a christening is just seeing um, children when they're very small and cute and we're all sort of anxious to hear their first words. Do they say daddy or mummy or as they start to speak, it's really exciting. And then as they get a bit older, it doesn't become as exciting as they start to speak and start asking questions. And then when you have sort of children the same age as my children, it gets to the point where their knowledge starts to surpass your knowledge. And um, they come home with their SATS papers. They start asking you questions about, you know, how do you multiply fractions or what's the subsection of pronouns and things which I've forgotten. I have no idea at all. And this passage, the Good Samaritan, has been my go-to passage whenever my children ask me difficult questions. Because the wonderful thing here is Jesus gets asked two questions. 
And Jesus doesn't answer them. He's, he's so great. He must be so frustrated. The lawyer wants a straight answer. Jesus doesn't give him a straight answer. He kind of knows the motives, the agendas. And Jesus kind of says the thing that we say in the Alpha Course. He says, well, what do you think? And then he says, go do likewise. So when my children ask me, well, how do you multiply fractions? That I just think, well, the good Samaritan, I think, well, what do you think about it? <laughs> and then when they kind of come up with some models or formulas, I say, go do likewise. The lawyer tests Jesus. He asks two questions. And one of them is one of the big questions of life. He says, Jesus, how do we receive eternal life? How do we live forever? What's the meaning of life? What's our purpose? And Jesus doesn't answer. He knows the agendas and motives. I mean, unlike me, Jesus does know the answer. You know, in John's gospel, Jesus says, the only way to the Father is through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus knows the answer to the meaning of life. But he knows the agendas and the motives which the questions ask, that the guy is trying to trip him up. And Jesus says to him, well, what does it say? What does the law say? The law that you claim that you follow so perfectly. What does the law say? And what the lawyer then replies back to Jesus is what we know is the great commandment. Love God and love others. The first thing he says is, the law says you've got to love God. And he says this. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. He says, the law says that it's all about loving God. And if you're here today and you're wondering, what is the Christian faith about? Is it about a set of rules? Do this, don't do that. A bit like when you're at school, don't go on the grass, don't do this. That's not what the Christian faith is about. It's all about a relationship with the Father who loves us. The law is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Because it's the love of God that transforms lives. It's the thing that sustains us to follow Jesus is the fuel that keeps us going. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. Each of us needs to receive the love of God and we need to love the Lord our God. And the thing is, if we're all honest with us, those who've been following Jesus for a long time, we don't follow God perfectly, do we? We don't love him with our whole heart, our whole soul, our whole mind, our whole strength. We can't do it in our own strength. We need to receive his love and his strength in order for us to love him so perfectly. If you've ever tried doing the things that we're asked to do, like surrender, obedience, sacrifice, forgiveness, at some point you'll fail or you'll just get bitter or resentful if you don't do it out of love. If you don't do these things out of duty. Hudson Taylor was a wonderful British missionary. He lived about 100 years ago. And for 50 years of his life, he was a missionary in China. And one day he was interviewing panels of um, people who wanted to be missionaries and go out into the world. And he asked them, what is your main motivation to being a missionary? And one of them said, it's because the Bible tells us that we need to preach the good news to everyone and all creation. Another one said, it's because there's millions who are perishing and dying without the knowledge of Jesus. And others came with other good answers. And he said, as good as those answers are, all of those things will fail you. When you come to times of challenge, times of trials, times of testing. The only thing that's going to sustain you and keep you going is the love of Jesus. That's the only thing that will sustain you. All those motives, however good, will fail you. But one motive that will sustain you is the love of Jesus. How do we experience the love of Jesus? Well, the Bible tells us we experience it by the Holy Spirit. Romans 5.5. 5. The Spirit pours out God's love into our hearts. It's the Spirit. And that's the opportunity for each of us today, whether it's the first time or the hundred of first time, 
to encounter Jesus, to feel his love poured into our hearts by the Spirit. We just ask him, we just open him, we just say, Lord, will you come, would you fill me? We love God, we simply ask. As we encounter his love, then we're enabled to love him in the way he calls us to love him. Love God, that's the first thing. And then the second thing that the lawyer says is love others. The lawyer says, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But the lawyer wanted to justify himself. So he says, well, who's my neighbor? Again, Jesus doesn't give him an answer. He tells him a story. He tells him a parable. And then Jesus asks him another question. He says, well, who do you think the neighbor was in this story? In a parable of the Good Samaritan, the lawyer asks, who is my neighbor? It's a good question. Who's your neighbor? Who would you say your neighbor is this morning? Who's the person that you need to love, that you need to care for, that you need to protect? Who's your neighbor? Is it the member of your family? Is it got to be someone who's got the same blood as you, biological? Is that the person that you need to love? Is it the person who lives next door? Is it the person you go to school with or college with or work with? Are they your neighbors? Is it the person that you go to the gym with or you play basketball or football with? Is it your extended family? Who's your neighbor? But Jesus doesn't answer. He tells this story. And so often as we tell the story, we, we try and explain who our neighbor is. And that's not what Jesus says. He's not interested in that question. Jesus says the good neighbor is anyone who shows mercy and compassion and love. Our job is not to work out who our neighbor is. Jesus says your job is to be the good neighbor. It's not about the man who's robbed and who's lying and he's half dead. It's all about your response that's important. Jesus says it's not about him, it's about your heart. It's about what's going on inside of you. The word Jesus uses is compassion. He says a Samaritan had compassion. It's the same word that's used about Jesus throughout the Gospels. Jesus has compassion on the crowd. Jesus has compassion on a blind man. He has compassion on someone with leprosy. He has compassion on the 5,000 who are hungry. He has compassion on the widow's son who dies. In the story of the prodigal father, the prodigal son, it's the father has compassion on the son who's rejected him and has gone away. Jesus had deep compassion for people. It's part of God's character. It's the heart of God. The final mark of anyone who's been touched by God is that we have compassion and we have mercy. Our job is to be the good neighbor. Whenever you see someone who's different from you, be the good neighbor. Whenever you see someone who's broken, be the good neighbor. Whenever you see someone who you might not agree with, be the good neighbor. Whenever you see someone with a different maybe culture or religion or lifestyle, be the good neighbor. How can you be the good neighbor today? How can you love others the way that God loves you? Maybe it's just being the one who's a peacemaker. Maybe it's being the one who's willing to pray. Maybe it's being the one to forgive someone, even though you're the one that's been wronged. How can you be the good neighbor today? Just to finish, uh, another story of a missionary, one that I find really moving, about what it means to be the good neighbor. Just over 60 years ago, five young men were missionaries in the rainforest, and they were all killed as they were trying to share their faith with a group of native Indians. This story captured the whole world, and Time magazine ran a 10-page story about it. And the leader of these five young men, Jim Elliott, was a 28-year-old leader 
He'd written in his journal these words. He's no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He's no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. There's something about his relationship with God that had touched his heart that was so much bigger than even his own life. And this story inspired many people to become missionaries all around the world. But the story doesn't end there. Those five men, their wives, all in their 20s, were overwhelmed about what had happened to their husbands, the death of their husbands. And with their own amazing bravery, they went out to the same rainforest and to the same Indian tribe who killed the husbands. And they shared their faith. They shared their God's love with them. Well, the Indian tribe were amazed. One of them said, we acted badly until they brought us God's teachings. Now we too walk God's path. Many of those native Indians came to faith. Even the one who had killed Jim Elliot came to faith. The tribe came to faith by the bravery of five women in their 20s, dealing with grief, but willing to trust God and to share his love. That's how you transform lives. That's how you transform lives. It's through the love of God. And in our own strength, we're empty. We can't do it. We need to receive his love first. But the overflow of his love is that we share it with others. Love God. Love others. That's how Jesus says you receive eternal life. Many of us probably here this morning are thinking, that sounds wonderful. But in our own strength, we know we can't do that. We can't love perfectly. And actually, we can't love others perfectly. We can't love God. We can't love others. And really what Jesus is talking about in this whole story is grace. He's saying, in your strength, no, you can't do it. But in my strength, you can do all things. In your strength, you're always going to fail. You're always going to fall flat. But in my grace, you're able to love me as the Father calls you to love me. You're able to love others and be there for them in the way the Father calls you to be them. It's by the grace of God. And if you're here this morning and you think you need to get everything right and everything perfect to have a relationship with God, that's not how it works. Actually, it begins when we say, we're not right, we're not perfect. The one question the lawyer should have asked is, what do I need to do to love God? Not try and justify himself. Rather than his pride, he needed to humble himself and say, Jesus, will you show me how I can love like you call me to love? Will you tell me something about the Father's grace? So this story is really about how much God loves me and you. Not about us loving him, but how much he loves you, how much he's for us. Because the Father knows that in our strength we can't do it, but in his strength we can do all things. Jesus says, be the good neighbor. Love God, love others, receive his love, show compassion, and be the good neighbor. If you're able, would you like to stand and just invite the band to come up? Just as we go into our next song, it would be great just to just for us to pray, for us to be open, and for us to come to that place where that lawyer was. He had the choice. His choice was to justify himself or to humble himself. And the question for you this morning is, where are you in that, in that spectrum? Are you in that place where you're justifying yourself? where you want actually Jesus to approve of what you do, or are you in that place where you're willing to humble yourself and actually say, actually, Lord, would you show me the way? Would you show me how to love like you?
Romans chapter 5, verse 5 says this. It says, Hope does not disappoint us because God pours his spirit. By his spirit, he pours his love into our hearts. And we just receive that just by saying thank you, Lord. And wherever you are this morning, you can experience his love poured into your hearts by the Holy Spirit just by saying thank you. Father, we receive your love. We want to have this love, this compassion, this grace that we can love you how you call us to love you. How we can love others the way you call us to love them. How we can be the good neighbor. How we can bring transformation. How we can change lives. And it doesn't matter if this is something you're used to or you've never taken those first steps. It's just an opportunity for you to say, Lord, this morning I receive from you. I receive your love afresh. I receive your peace, your joy, and your grace that I don't have to get it right all the time. I just need to be honest and real with you and saying this is where I am. So, Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you that when you call us to love you with every fiber that we have and to love our neighbors, to be that good neighbor, that you're willing to come into our hearts and change our hearts and soften our hearts and that we don't do it in our own strength, that we do it with you. And we thank you this morning. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Jesus.